talk to us. Um, Annie instead is going to um, do a dramatic reading, which is of um, a piece uh, from the perspective of one of the critics of the woman who um, uh, anointed Jesus with the perfume in uh, Mark's gospel. Um, so before um, Annie does this reading, let's just pray for Judy and um, this talk. Um, Lord, thank you so much for Judy that um, she's here this morning to um, speak to us. And I just pray that you, Lord, would just speak through her, um, that you would give us hearts that would take away whatever it is that you want to, you want to say to us this morning. Um, just use her as your vessel in this, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right, over to Ali. I'm all for religion in its place. In fact, I go so far as to say it's a jolly good thing. We all need rules, otherwise all hell breaks loose. No. What I object to is fanaticism. She broke an entire bottle of Calvin Klein's obsession, which I have to say does not come cheap, all over the poor man. By the end of it, he must have smelt like a tart's boudoir. Everyone commented on the waste. I could see how embarrassed he was, although I must say he hid it rather well. I spoke to her afterwards. I said, Obsession is the name of the fragrance, dear child. It doesn't have to dictate your behaviour. Mary, if I could give you any advice, and she seemed quite keen, so I went on ahead. Play your cards close to your chest in life. Never let anyone or anything become so important that you worship them so openly like that. You lay yourself open to all kinds of criticism when you do. By all means, save him a few drops at the end of the bottle. The ones the squirty tube never reaches. I've complained about that in John Lewis. They were quite helpful, actually. By all means, give away those, but never the whole thing. Never love with that kind of extravagance, Mary. Do you know what she said to me in return? You'll laugh when you hear, really, you will. What could be more important than showing my Jesus I love him? There you go again, I said. That's exactly the sort of thing I'm talking about. You let a type like that Jesus take over and you really have got problems. He's a dangerous type that will make all kinds of demands if you let him. Don't get me wrong that he has done a lot of very good things. I don't dispute that. But so what? Save him a couple of drops of the Chanel number who cares and be done with it. You save your obsession in life. You save your obsession all just for yourself. Well, good morning. Thank you, Annie. Brilliant stuff. Um, thank you for praying for me overseas, uh, suffering for the gospel in Colorado. Um, it has been a, a really good time, and I uh, really did appreciate uh, your prayers. Uh, we were there uh, for 10 days uh, doing a play that some of you will know called Faith in the Fog, and looking at mystery, and looking at how do we have faith when fog descends, and when mystery hits our lives, how do we keep believing what we knew in the light when we stand in the darkness? And uh, the response was, was was really amazing and uh, I'm just very grateful uh, once again that you allowed me to go and uh, it, it was a really powerful time we we certainly over the three nights of the run we would have seen uh, over 1,000 people and uh, given them a gospel message of, of hope uh, during that time so thank you this passage that we've kind of alluded to through uh, the critic uh, that Annie has just read uh, is in Mark's Gospel. It's uh, in Mark's Gospel and it's basically where Jesus, if you know the story, uh, is sort of suddenly um, lavished with perfume by this woman. She comes in, she breaks this jar of very expensive perfume 
all over the poor man, as she put it. He, he's drenched in the stuff. And as you sort of think about that, it occurs to me that she had no idea what his response would be. He could have properly told her off. It could have been a very inappropriate thing. We don't know. But she does it anyway because she does it from a generous heart. And this morning we're looking at being generous-hearted as part of a series on generosity. We're looking at the generosity of the heart even when perhaps we have no idea what the response will be. In fact, does it rely on the response It doesn't need to. And we see that very clearly here. Now, interestingly, if we look uh, in Mark's gospel, Jesus says, when she's anointed him with oil, he says, leave her alone. Why would you bother her? What she has done is a beautiful thing. What she has done is a beautiful thing. So the critics start to swarm. They start to gather. And uh, of course, we'd never have any of those in church, would we? Not ever. Um, But we know that worship attracts criticism. We know that actually wherever we put ourselves out there for God or for our beliefs or for what we believe to be good, we are making ourselves vulnerable to the person alongside saying that was a foolish thing to do. And actually, the critics that were represented in that reading did more than that. They took her apart. They said that money could have gone to the poor. They even estimated how much it had cost her. They started talking about the wages that would have gone into that act and started to really annihilate her publicly for what was a generous-hearted act. And actually, for me, it's not about the cost of the perfume. It's about what the cost was to her in terms of her image, in terms of what could be said to her, what could be said of her. She just did it because she loved him. And he said, what she has done is a beautiful thing. And every time you and I express the generous heart of God in the small things, in the bigger things, whatever we might do, whether it's a soccer ball, whether it's something else, We are more like God than ever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That as we give of ourselves and of the small and the big things, we are representing, we are part of the G-force, the generosity of God for his world. And he longs for every one of us to be more caught up in his generosity towards us, as was said at the end of that video, in order that we receive that and then we think, what can we do in response to all this? Einstein said famously, there are two ways to live as if nothing is a miracle, or as if everything is a miracle. And I prefer the second one. And I'm sure if we're honest, we all do. But we can lose some of that wonder, can't we? We have it as a little child. We know that everything is wonderful, from a balloon to a bubble to a bath, whatever. I don't know why I'm alliterating with bees, but that's just happened. Um, But But actually, we can have that kind of wonder and then life takes over, it starts to erode, it starts to, we get disappointed, we get crushed and we stop being grateful people. Because actually, as we look at generous-hearted living, it's grateful living. It comes from a place of deep gratitude for whatever we might have. And it goes into the day 
without a scarcity approach. Brené Brown has done a lot of work on this and how actually we look at what is not there and what we lack in our lives rather than what we have, don't we? We're conditioned to do it. We begin the day, and some of the parents in the uh, first service heckled me a bit on this, um, by saying, I haven't had enough sleep. That's the first thing that some of us will say, and they will say it's true. Um, but that might be how we start. I've not had enough sleep. I've not got enough time. I haven't got enough money. There's not enough food. There's not enough time in the day. My to-do list is too long. I haven't got enough friends. I haven't got enough this. And that's our rhetoric. And we can all fill in the gaps with different things. But we can start from the place of scarcity that we see here. Because actually the critics of the woman say actually that money is too much. There's a scarcity approach to it. There's a poverty approach to it, as opposed to a generosity approach to it. And um, some of these videos, um, funnily enough, the church in America where we were, were doing generosity at the same time. And uh, we're going to look at another of their videos at the moment that illustrates this in a different way. But actually, this is from a stand-up comedian who had his ministry of stand-up comedy changed by one real thought. He thought, I'm really killing myself here with doing stand-up comedy, and anyone who's tried it will know, I'm sure, I have never, um, how difficult it can be. But he said every time he was sort of approaching it from, what can I get? Can I get people's approval? Can I get people's laughter? And then something changed inside of him, and he said, no, the approach to comedy is, can I give people the opportunity to laugh? Can I bridge the gap for people? Can I bring people together? And it's changed uh, his ministry through stand-up comedy. So let's have a look and hear from him. But laughter is free, isn't it? When we think of our scarcity approach and say, I've got nothing to give. And that might be true for us. You know, maybe today we feel, well, I've got nothing to give to this community. But actually, every single one of us has something to give, something uniquely ours to bring. And what he's doing there is he's sharing his gift of communication, his gift of seeing things in a funny way, but he's seeing the contagion of that generosity. He's seeing how it breaks something in that little boy to actually be able to be unmasked, to be able to say, somebody has built a bridge between me and this person, and I'm able to go across it. And so actually, we all have something to bring. We all have something that we can give. And uh, it's quite hard to see, actually, that slide. But God is the greatest giver in the universe. He won't let you outgive him. I wonder if you believe that today. Because I sometimes find that hard. You know, the, the scarcity thing can get into us so much that actually we stop trusting that whatever we give away we can't outgive God. We can't outgive His goodness, His grace with us. And wherever we go in the world, we can see the generosity of God in action. For God so loved His world that He gave His Son that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. That this starts from a place of receiving his love, his generosity, his grace with us, his mercy. As we heard a couple of weeks ago from Tim, generosity in its, in its finite sense means that we actually show mercy and receive mercy. And we have received it. If we're Christians today and we've been forgiven by God, we know that we have received his goodness, his mercy, his grace. If we're not Christians and we're looking at faith, if we're examining faith, <laughs> if we're on that journey, 
then actually start to look at the evidence of God's goodness around us. It won't always be in Christians, that's for sure. It will be spread across this whole world. And actually there is a message of love and kindness that can ring out of your life that no one else can sing. No one else can sing that song. And it doesn't matter if the gift is not received as you would like it. I find that difficult. I quite like to see someone's reaction, don't you? So if we give something, it's quite nice to see them lit up or for them to thank us. I remember when we were doing night shelter training um, with David Bebb uh, a year back, and uh, he said, do this for the men, they are our guests. It doesn't matter whether they're grateful or not. And he told a story of when he was on a bus with one of the guys of Night Shelter, which we're doing currently as a church, and uh, he said one of the guys started to critique the food. You know, he started to say, well, I like this, but I'm not sure that's very good, and started to critique the food. And David's like, hang on a minute, this guy's working really hard. And he found in himself that sort of mentality, and I see that in myself. But actually, how it's received is not the point. The point is the generosity of heart that says it's not okay that there are people homeless in our city, and that just says if we get one chance to give them a hot meal, whether it's their favourite or not, whether they like mushrooms or not, they do like mushrooms this year, um, but actually it doesn't matter. It just is about the act, not the response. And that's hard for us, and we see that in this woman. She anoints Jesus with, with perfume, and that's it. She loves him that much. And even though her critics sort of tear her apart, Jesus says, no, stop it. What she has done is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And it doesn't matter what it is this week, whatever kindnesses you can show, whatever generosity of heart, it might be something physical, it might not be. It might be stopping and talking to somebody. It doesn't matter whether the gift is welcomed or not. What matters is our heart. Uh, a story that, uh, that really stays with me, and if you'll uh, indulge me, I know a couple of you may have heard it before, but uh, a story of um, generosity that floored me in my life was in Bulgaria uh, in a an orphanage called Dragodanovo and uh, it's a, an orphanage where children are sent when they have committed a crime uh, and that could be anything from stealing apples for their family uh, to, to, to stealing food or to, to seemingly tell lies and they are put in Dragodanovo which is a place that looks like a concentration camp, it's grey and it's foreboding and, and I visited there probably 15 years ago so this is, okay it might not seem like recent history but it's certainly not that long ago and the children are kept there and when we were going we were going as part of a charity who'd given them covers for their bed and uh, women at home in Dudley where I was had sewn covers for every bed so that every one of them could have a cover I had not sewn them because I thought they'd suffered enough without me uh, <laughs> sewing anything for them but others had and uh, the thing was to go and just to meet with the people that had received these covers and to see how they were doing and I have to be honest with you and say I was dreading it I was absolutely dreading, because again, my scarcity nature thought of all they lacked. You know, they were not living with their parents, they were not living with their families. We drove up, they were living in a grey building. I could not get my head around this happening in our world. And then this river of colour comes towards me, this cascade of young children in misshapen clothes, brightly coloured and full. If ever you wanted a welcome, that was it. Effusive welcome, as Matthias said, beautiful welcome of people uh, hugging your leg and coming to see you and all of that kind of thing with huge pleasure. And then one of the little children 
and one of the little boys who was there for stealing food for his family, I later found out, to try and feed them, took me to his bedroom. And they have like a, a big sort of dormitory where all the beds are lined up. And very similar to some prisons actually that I visited in the UK, they will have their little tables by the side and the table is a status thing where you kind of display what you own whatever that is, whether it's teddy bears, whether it's puzzles, or in prisons it's often sprays, you know, deodorant sprays for some reason and cordials and whatever, but on that table. But this little lad that had brought me to show me the cover and to sort of try and say thank you, I think he maybe thought I'd made it, um, was, was showing me the cover and pointing to the table. And on his table he only had one thing, he had less than anybody else. And the thing that he had was a calendar, uh, a paper calendar, not particularly glamorous or anything, just with little faces of animals on and Bible verses uh, written in Bulgarian, which I couldn't understand, but I could recognise that they probably were Bible verses. And so I started with my approach to things, going, oh, this is so lovely, and stroking the face of this fox that was for February or whatever. And I think he thought, oh, here's, here's a woman who's slightly borderline obsessed with foxes. You know, I was stroking it, going, this is wonderful wonderful, trying to elevate his status, trying to say what you have is brilliant. You've got the best thing almost, uh, in my Surrey background way. And um, he looked a bit mystified, but he clearly realised that I thought what he had was brilliant. He was lucky to have it, and I was really pleased that he had it. And we did some work with him, we did some drama and some crafts with them, and the day went through, and they were just the most joyous, incredible children, really incredible. And at the end of the day, it was very hard to to say goodbye uh, as it always is in these situations but as I was getting onto the, the bus uh, a little hand came out and pulled at my skirt and uh, there was this little boy with the calendar with the most beaming smile just for you for you this is this is it now that was the last thing he had apart from the cover on his bed there was nothing else that he owned and I don't know that's because he always gave stuff away. I've thought about that since and wondered if that's true. I don't know. But what I do know is that you're then faced with a dilemma because this joyous little face is looking up at you saying, you have this, crazy mad woman obsessed with foxes, whatever. Uh, you have this. And I took it. I realised that was the thing that I needed to do. It would be far worse to have, have said, no, you keep it. But everything in me wanted to. But actually, that's my scarcity approach, if you like. What he was doing was showing that he had a beautiful heart, that he had a generous heart, and that actually he knew the truth that the Bible says, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And he lived that out for me. And for many years, I don't know where it is now, but for many years I kept that calendar as a, a sign to me to stay generous, but also to stay grateful because our gratitude impacts our generosity. Corrie Ten Boom said, the measure of a life after all is not its duration, but its donation. And I'm really impacted by that, not because she's a woman that I really admire and look up to because she hid Jews in the Second World War and risked her life on a daily basis for that, if you know her story. But what a truth that is. You know, we're obsessed with, you know, staying young, keeping going, keeping, a, you know, as many days in our years as we can. But actually, it's the impact we make with the years that we're given and uh, I, I remember a poem at school, which I think was in uh, uh, Nick and Lois's uh, newsletter, which is about, I asked for uh, all things that I might enjoy in my life, but I was given life that I might enjoy all things. And I remember reading that at school and it affecting me. 
that actually we think it's about the stuff that we get that helps us to enjoy life. But there's something about gratitude and generosity and grace that is the life that enables us to enjoy all things, whether that's a soccer ball, whether that's somebody telling a joke for some children who abuse, whatever it might be, that we reach out in generosity. Now, you might say, well, why discuss this in church? You might say, well, actually, across the board, people are being generous. And that's certainly true and needed in a world where we need more and more of his love and more and more of his kindness. But the reason that we celebrate it so much is that in Jesus Christ, we see someone who is more generous than any other living person I've ever seen or heard of. I remember when I was 18, reading the Gospels, somebody said to me, if I was interested in Christianity, to read just one of the Gospel stories in the New Testament and look at what Jesus says and look at what he does and see if it matches. And not only did it match, but it blew me away because he adds to every situation. He comes into a scarcity situation and he brings life. He brings healing. He brings provision. He, when the wines run out, he brings more wine. He turns water into wine. When there's a picnic to go round, he turns it into a feast so that everybody can have something to share. And not only that, but he also wants generosity for us. When a rich man in one of the Gospels comes to Jesus, he says, I'm doing it all right. I'm doing everything right. I'm obeying all the commandments that have been given me. But he's still got money and his money's still got him. Money has still got him. That's the important part. Money has still got him. And so Jesus says, actually, that's the stuff you need to give up to really enter into this kingdom because it's a kingdom of release and generosity and giving. And we hear a very important thing here. Jesus looks at him and loves him. The reason God wants us to be generous is not because he wants to punish us, to tell us off, to criticize us, as we heard with the the reading. It's because he knows it sets us free. And he sees the man with love and sadness. And the man goes away sad, interestingly enough, doesn't he? Because he's done the getting bit and he's thought that the getting bit was too important for the giving bit. And so he goes away. And biblically, there are many examples, not only of the generosity of God, but about his commission to us to go and do the same, to be generous and grateful of heart and uh, to keep that sense of every day having miracles within it. We might not uh, quite echo Einstein's word that everything is a miracle, but we can certainly see the gift that each day brings and the gift of Jesus, the gift of Jesus. Because this uh, quote, we've, we've used it before, but it impacts me every time. When Jesus looked down from the cross, he didn't think I'm giving myself to you because you're so attractive to me. He was in agony And he looked at us, denying him, abandoning him, betraying him. And in the greatest act of history, he stayed. He loved us not because we were lovely to him, but to make us lovely. He stayed. That's the bit that jumps out at me, actually. That we we weren't grateful for the gift. You know, the, the goat, the guns, the random things that we think, hang on a minute... But actually, we weren't grateful for the gift of Jesus. We were the critiques. We were the ones persecuting him. We were the ones, if you like, with our lives, we still are, maybe rejecting him. But he stayed anyway. He went through his death for us. And that's the most extraordinary act of grace that I think we will ever see. 
is the most extraordinary act of generosity. And that's what then is contagious for us. If we really believe in that grace directed at us, how can we not then want to really give back in return? A study was done a few years ago about what is the last of the human freedoms. And the conclusion was, came that it was to give. That the last of the human freedoms, and the guy, Franz Luce, did a study, and his study was in prisons, in concentration camps. And he found in that study that people who had nothing left, men who only had a piece of bread, were able to give that bread away to somebody who they thought needed it more. Now, I don't know if about me, I think I'd halve it, wouldn't you? <laughs> You'd think, oh, I'm, I'm being quite generous here because this is my last bit of bread, so look, let's share it together. That's what I probably would think. You know, you don't know what you would do in that situation. But actually, no, he said what these <coughs> men were doing is they were giving away their last piece of bread. And he says that is the last of the human freedoms, that you can take everything away from us in many ways, and things are being taken away from us in this world. But actually, we will always be able to give. We will always be able to be generous, whether it's with our words, whether it's with a touch, whether it's with our last piece of bread. We will always be able to be generous-hearted. And the reason for that, if you're a Christian today, is the very grace, the very most generosity that anyone could ever express has been expressed for us. And if you're not a Christian, as I said at the beginning, if you're looking at this faith, it is a faith that actually says love conquers all, that love has the final say, that nothing ultimately, that death doesn't win in the end, that God's love, his generous heart came through for us and can come through for you. Uh, I'm going to hand over to our brilliant leaders now who are going to lead us in a response.